You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. through the love of Ananias. God's grace came to Paul. You know, that's what people are looking for. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to have that special feeling of love. And God has given us so much love, He's saying, share it. Love somebody else. You'll know me. They'll know you're of me as the love you have for each other. Share that love with people. Here you see this murderous Saul being loved on by a disciple, by an ordinary man coming up. And I'm sure it involved a hug. Brother, wow. Many of us could probably only imagine what it would look like to welcome someone who we were hiding from only days ago. As Pastor Dave will teach you in his message today, this is exactly what Ananias did as he faithfully listened to the Lord. In his study, you'll gain a perfect example of how we're to love others, even those who persecute us. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 9 as he continues his message, Lord, you want me to do what? You are Firmly believe that the Lord is not going to ask you to open your mouth to someone that he already hasn't touched her heart with. I believe that. I believe that strongly. Even when we feel that God is angry with us or he's putting us through the worst trial or circumstances we could possibly know, he has a good reason for doing it. He may be preparing us for a wonderful event that is just about to take place in our life. An event that we would not be able to accept or appreciate had we not gone through the trial. God is working His hand, his providential hand is working in every life here today. His hand is working in the lives out there. Look what Ananias says to him. He hears the word Saul, Tarsus, and Ananias says, Lord, you want me to do what? No. We don't read that. We don't read that. It says, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm has been done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bid all who call on your name. Acts 9, 13 through 14. Ananias has a valid complaint. He has somewhat of a valid complaint. Obviously, Saul's reputation had preceded him. Ananias' fears were not really unfounded because he's heard of this guy. He heard of this man. He heard of the things that this guy has done. He might have even known some of the people who these people had been hurt. He might might have even known that. He seemed reluctant. It's interesting to me that sometimes we inform the Lord of things that he already knows. (laughs) It's interesting to me that we were talking to the Lord, Lord, Saul of Tarsus, isn't he the one that's been running around beating up your people? Isn't he the one, you know, we're telling the Lord things he already knows. You ever have those kind of conversations with the Lord? It's almost like we're saying, you want me to do what? You really know what you're asking me to do, Lord? Can we re-examine these things? Can we examine, Lord, what you're trying to do here? Did the fact that Ananias knew that Saul was praying have any effect on his decision? doesn't say. But prayer is certainly one of the activities of a new believer. Earnest and bold prayer is one of the activities of a new believer. Charles Spurgeon said, prayer is the autograph of the Holy Spirit upon the renewed heart. That's cool. When Ananias heard that Saul was praying, 
Maybe he had more confidence in what the Lord was doing or what the Lord was asking him to do. Maybe he had more confidence. I don't know. It doesn't say that either. But the Lord knew what Ananias was thinking. He heard what Ananias had said, so he explains it a little further. Imagine, the Lord explained to us his plans. The Lord explaining to us his plans. Can you imagine that? That's unheard of. I guess it was back in, um, back in 2006 when Pastor Frank up in Vine and his wife died of a massive heart attack one day. And I remember talking to him about it. And the one thing that really upset him is he said, you know what really bothers me the most? The Lord never consulted me on this. The Lord never told me what he was going to do. And he was serious. But sometimes if the Lord tells us what's going to happen, we might go, well, wait a minute. <laughs> we might back off. The Lord doesn't have to inform us of what he's going to do. But here the Lord is informing Ananias of his plan. He's letting Ananias, a simple, ordinary guy, he's letting Ananias on his plans for the future, for this Saul of Tarsus. He's giving Ananias a hope. He's giving Ananias a reason to obey him, a reason to move out and do his will. He's, what a wonderful passage is this. Ananias says, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want? He says, do it. Go. Go. It's interesting that the Lord explains him a little further. He says, but to the Lord said to him, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. In Acts 9.15. The Lord is explaining himself to Ananias. He's explaining himself what he's doing. But first he commands them to go. This is the second time he said that. The first thing he said, arise and go. Now he's just saying, go. I don't know how emphatic it was, but he says, go. What a privilege to know God's plans. What a privilege to be walking so close with the Lord that he would explain to you his plans. Wow. So Luke, the writer of Acts, through the Holy Spirit now, shows us exactly what Saul's ministry would be. He gives us a glimpse of what Saul's ministry would actually be. He would bear the name of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to the kings, and to the children of Israel. And as we study along in the book of Acts, you're going to find out these things. Saul becomes the apostle Paul who is the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul gives testimony before kings and preaches to the children of Israel. The Lord's plan is fulfilled in the life of Saul. And we come to verse 16. And verse 16 makes my wheeze neek. My wheeze neek? That's how how weak they make my wheeze. My wheeze are very neek. It's that kind of a day. I shudder when I read this. I shudder. Verse 16 says, the Lord is speaking, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, if I was having a talk with the Lord and we were having this bonding time and he was telling me some things, if he told me, he said, Dave, I want to show you some things that you're going to suffer for my name's sake. And after he finished, I believe it would be the original, you want me to do what? Wow. He's going to show Paul, Saul, all the things that he would suffer for his name's sake. You go to 2 Corinthians 11. If you go to verses 23 to 28, I'm going to read it to you. Let's get a glimpse of the things that Paul went through. Let's get a glimpse, as he writes to the Corinthian church, the things that he went through, that did Jesus show him all these things? 
I'll pick up where it says, I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more abundantly, in deaths often. For the Jews, five times I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Night and day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils of city, in perils in wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Wow. Oh, did Jesus show Paul all those things that he was going to suffer for? But the one thing he says, and it concludes in this chapter, that one thing that just makes my heart sore, it says, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Wow. You get a true glimpse at a missionary heart here. You get a true glimpse of a heart that has been captured by the Lord. A heart that wanted to destroy these churches. A heart that wanted to drag people out and have them committed into blasphemy and have them beaten or killed. A heart that has been totally changed and rectified by the Lord. A heart that was totally reconciled. Obedience. There's our word again. Paul was obedient. Did he know all these things? Or did the Lord just show him a little bit? Doesn't say. In verse 17, it says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What a picture of God's grace. What a picture of trusting in the Lord and obeying what the Lord commands you to do. Ananias enters this house, and there's Saul, the life-threatening, fire-breathing monster, the persecutor of the way, the hater of Jesus Christ, sitting there in a humble state who had been praying. And Saul, I mean, excuse me, Ananias walks in and goes, you murdering creep, you murdering rascal, look what you've done. No, he walks into him, and he says, brother. Talk about God's grace. Did Ananias have a good consideration of what God's grace was? Absolutely. Absolutely. God's grace was displayed through the love of Ananias. God's grace came to Paul. You know, that's what people are looking for. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to have that special feeling of love. And God has given us so much love, he's saying, share it. Love somebody else. You'll know me. They'll know you're of me as the love you have for each other. Share that love with people. Here you see this murderous Saul being loved on by a disciple, by an ordinary man coming up, and I'm sure it involved a hug. Brother, wow. Wow. What was going through Saul's mind? He must have mind boggled, but later, as the Apostle Paul, he writes this to the church of Thessalonica. But concerning brother in love, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.9. Paul was shown firsthand the love of God. Paul was shown. I don't know if I told you this before, but there, I was listening to a teaching by um, Greg Laurie once. And in the teaching, he said that he had a phone call one day, and he had been called by Ruth Graham, of all people. And Ruth Graham had had invited him and Mike McIntosh, another Calvary Chapel pastor, for dinner with she and Billy Graham. 
they naturally accepted it, and they were very, very excited about going. And when they walked in, they were greeted by Mr. Graham, Billy Graham, and he said, we have a guest with us that I want you to meet. And dinner was prepared. Mrs. Graham had made a beautiful dinner, and they walked in. And as they walked in there, Greg Laurie says, my mouth dropped to the floor because there coming in from the other room was the just-released-from-prison Jim Baker. Billy Graham said, brother, see, it's all about restoration. It's all about restoration. How many times a day do we fall and we are restored by a loving Jesus Christ? It's all about restoration, and that's what you see here. Ananias says, brother, you know what that meant to Paul? I can imagine what it felt like. Brother, the deepest meaning you could possibly have. Put yourself in his plate. Put yourself where he was. Put yourself in what he used to do. His mind is boggled by all this. He can't understand it. Some God's, sometimes God's love is so amazing, so incredibly amazing that we can't understand it. We can't wrap our mind around it. The only thing we can do is go, thank you. Thank you. Look what happens. Verses 18 and 19. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some time with his disciples at Damascus. I love this. Put yourself in Paul's place. Days before, several days before, you're the consummate hunter seeking your prey. You're looking to destroy this way any way you can. You're looking to just take care of them all. You're looking to wipe them out. And now all of a sudden, you're baptized. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're welcome as a brother, and you're eating there, and you're praying with them. (laughs) Wow. What a picture. Look at this picture. Grasp the importance of what I'm saying here. Grasp the importance. Are there people in your life that you would rather say no than brother? That's what's happening here. This is what God has called us to be. God has called us to be a light. And you can only be a light if you shine your light. You can only be a light if you shine your light. And sometimes shining your light is opening your arms and saying, brother. That's what God is calling us to do. That's what God is calling us to do. There's no coincidence that I chose this for your cover today. The lion sitting with the lamb. Get a vision of Saul sitting with the people that he once hunted. Sitting and having dinner with the people he once hunted. But this is what genuine conversion looks like. When a person has been touched by the true power of God, by the living God, the person has been born again, he should exhibit a marked change in his life. There's no set pattern of what they should look like, but the change should be apparent to all who look in. You know, after Saul's conversion, there was a marked difference in his life. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he would go on to say, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Wow. Imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. So here we see Ananias, who is an obscure hero in the early church. We never heard of him again, that even though a great work was done through him, he is never mentioned again in the Bible. He trusted in the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. Throughout the centuries, there have been countless men, countless women who have trusted in the Lord, obeyed the Lord, and marvelous works have been accomplished in the name of Jesus Christ. And their names may even be obscure. Do you know the man who led D.L. Moody to the Lord? You might know him. His name was Edward Kimball. You might not have known that. Anybody remember any other names of the men that were with Jim Elliott in the jungle that day? Probably not. Anybody know the man who led Billy Graham to the Lord? Probably not. Obscure saints 
obscure saints. But guess what? It doesn't matter if you know who they are. Jesus knows who they are. Ordinary men, ordinary women wearing God's, hearing God's call upon their lives, answering a special call and a special voice of the Lord, obeying the call of the Lord. It was in 1887, and there had just been an evangelistic meeting taking place where Dwight Moody had spoken. A very young man stood to share his story after the service in the testimony part of the service. And as he was speaking, it became quite clear, quite clear to everyone, that he didn't know anything about the Bible or acceptable Christian doctrine. But in his closing lines, we'll live forever. And as he sat there and he spoke, the last things he said spoke volumes into the hearts of people. He said these things, I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. And there was a man sitting at that meeting place and he heard those words, trust and obey. And he started to write and he started to pen and he started to think. You weren't at the coffee house. One of the things at the coffee house that blew me away is we had a gentleman here playing a guitar and he led us to sing a hymn. He led us in a hymn, and the hymn just happened to be coincidentally trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay for the favors he shows, for the joy he bestows, are for them who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Here's the verse. Then in fellowship sweet we sit at his feet or we will walk by his side in the way. Whatever he says we will do, where he sends us, we'll go. Never fear, only trust and obey. God's calling us today to trust and obey. He's calling us today to trust and obey him. And he calls us by simple ways. I was called to the rescue mission back in the early 90s. And I would do the sermon, not the sermon, but I would do the announcements for our church and I would do the announcements and I would announce that the rescue mission was having a meeting and I would announce to them that they should come and go, but I wouldn't go. People would say, why don't you go to the rescue mission? I wouldn't go. I wasn't going to go there. One of the things I used to do was go on the beach and collect shells. One time I found a shell and it was all nasty and gnarly and it was all beat up. It had holes in it, not fit for my collection. I hated it. So I stood as far as I could and I threw it as far as I could into the sea. But every day I came back, that shell was still there. And every day I would try, it was still there. And I hated it. I was so angry at the shell. I don't know who I was angry at, but the Lord was impressing upon me. This went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And one time I was out praying to the Lord, and there was that shell. And I was really angry about something. Well, what it was was the Lord was dealing with me, and I didn't know it. 
but I was angry about it. So I took the shell, and I went to one of the jetties. I lived on 4th Street, so I went to one of the jetties. I walked out to the end of the jetty, and I reached back with all my might, and I threw that shell for as far as I could possibly throw it. Time went on. I continued to do the announcements, continued to tell people that we were going to the rescue mission for the chapel or going to the rescue mission for a, for a Bible study. And people would ask me, aren't you going? No. I'm not going to the rescue mission. Well, the Lord kept on pushing things upon my heart. And I was having a very, very difficult time. And things were going very, very bad for me, I thought. And my prayer closet was the beach. So one day I was out on the beach. This was like three, four weeks later. I'm out on the beach. And I'm wandering around. And there's tears in my eyes, and I'm calling out to my God. And I'm calling out to my God, I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do, Lord? How, I don't understand what's going on. What are you trying to tell me? I have no understanding of what's going on in my life. And I'm crying out to God, real tears streaming down my face. And I'm standing there like this. And in my heart, in my, in my psyche here, I hear this word. Collect the shell that I would collect. And I look down, and right between my feet is the shell. And when I picked it up, I knew immediately that I was supposed to go to the rescue mission. I knew immediately that I was supposed to go to the rescue mission and do this Bible study, and I did that for seven years. George went with me several times. I don't know how God wants to talk to you today. I don't know how God wants to direct your path or direct your way you go. I don't know. It's between you and he. It's cool because Jim and I were having this conversation. I think we were having it with Kathy. And that's why he calls it a personal relationship. Because just because he deals with me one way doesn't mean he's going to deal with you the same way because he will take it and he will tailor everything right to you because it's personal. We have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship that only he can master and he can control. And he wants to talk to you personally. And he knows exactly what he can do and what he can say and show you to make you know to trust and obey his love. That's the truth. That's what he wants to do. And that's what I get out of these scriptures. A simple, ordinary man. A simple, ordinary man who wanted to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, who wanted to follow hard after Christ in in the midst of all trials, in the midst of all circumstances, declared, I will follow you. And Jesus says, go. To him, yes, go. Okay, Lord, I'll go. And I'm sure the entire time he was walking there, the Holy Spirit was working in his heart. And I'm sure the entire time he was walking down to that house, things were happening in his heart, and he didn't understand what was going on. But when he opened that door and ever saw, the the only thing he could say was, Brother, wow. Is God calling you to something today? Is God calling you to something and giving you a purpose today? Maybe the only thing he's calling to you today is accept me. Become born again. Maybe the only thing he's calling you today is say, hey, Enter into my kingdom. Come unto me, all who are heavy laden, all who have a burden. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Transfer here. Come. Maybe that's all he's saying today. That's the first step. That's the first step. Come. God's waiting. He's waiting. Maybe he's asking you something today. I don't know. But I'd sure like to find out. I'd sure like you to find out. Sure, like you know what God's calling you to do today. You are the stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus Himself. 
Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life changed hearts and saved countless people, and continues on even today through the writings and Acts and the rest of the New Testament. However, the lives you were studying weren't without trial. Each disciple of Jesus faced persecution in some form, yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith. What difficulties are you facing for Jesus now? Don't lose heart. Remember that you're sharing the truth and that the truth can set people free. You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Shank. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel, Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. Rescued us.